Welcome to Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, a luxury interior designer and construction expert. Educated at the New York School of Interior Design and employed by AD Top 100 firms, I have created a niche expertise in managing large-scale construction projects from renovations to new builds over the past three decades. Today, I'm on a mission to instill confidence in designers through this podcast and my online course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. Whether you are new to construction management or a seasoned designer like me, I am all about transparency and tactical advice for fellow designers. On this podcast, I share actionable steps, practical tips, real-life examples, and behind-the-scenes tricks that I use while managing construction projects. Not only will they keep them on schedule and on budget, but will give you the confidence to know that these projects will end successfully, protecting your profit as well as leading to a pipeline full of incredible referrals. If you've been searching for support and advice on construction management to grow your skills and confidence so you can avoid the mistakes that I've made in the past, then you're in the right place. Before we get started, I want to thank each of you for being a part of this community. Your listens, subscribes, and reviews are what allows me to make this show great week after week. I've got lots of plans for growing this podcast, and that's enabled by you. Make sure to follow the podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a thing. If you enjoy this episode, spread the word. Leave a review and tell your interior design friends how much they can learn from this show. By now, you have been no doubt inundated by emails and social clips and webinars about doing a year-end review. But if you are a small business, you may not understand the value of doing one. I came across an article recently where they interviewed a bunch of interior designers. They had great insights as to the questions they asked themselves, and I wanted to share them today, maybe inspiring you to go through the same list of questions to position yourself for goal setting and success in 2024. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Like I mentioned, it is that time of year where I know I have gotten a gazillion emails and outreach and social posts about doing a year-end review, and everybody with the best of intentions is telling me how they go about it. And frankly, as a small business owner, I never really bought into a whole lot of what I was seeing. More often than not, it was some offer for a let's say a 30 page download of how to walk yourself through it. And I thought, I'm too small. They must not be talking to me. And so my year-end reviews used to look like, how'd I do? Were there any clients I didn't like? How do I get new clients in the new year? That was about it. And that is frankly, not my strongest moments. And I'd want you to learn from my mistakes because I did tighten the process up a number of years ago. And it really does help me to go through the steps. Now, again, I don't need a 30 page document to get to the bottom line of how my business did for the year and enabling me to make goals and strategies for the coming year. And so I sat down to do that last week. And Funny enough, I came across an article in Business of Home in their trade tales section 
that was a Q&A with a bunch of designers of simple questions. What went well? What didn't go well? And things along that line. And I went through them and it gave me pause to think through those questions for myself. And I started jotting down a few notes to add to my review. And I wanted to share those with you today with the hopes that it will encourage you to maybe do this for the first time, or maybe like me, add some additional clarity to a review that you've already done. So like I said, I didn't used to do much of anything. It may have taken me 15 or 20 minutes to sort of scan over my documents, look through my financials, look through my client lists and say, yay, nay, and what should go better next year and how I can possibly do it. And I believe one of the reasons I did such a cursory look at it was there wasn't a lot of designers sharing the information way back when, when I went out on my own. And I want to take a moment and just applaud my industry for becoming so incredibly open and transparent about their personal businesses. And and that was really, truly reflected in this article. And I know some of the designers that were interviewed in the article. And I was really proud of them. Some of them are really big names and they admitted things they screwed up on. And for designers who are new to the industry, that didn't used to happen. Now, I grew up in the industry in New York City and there was a lot more community over competition, but there also wasn't a whole lot of, say, vendor sharing or client conversations because while there was still community that they wanted to encourage, they didn't really want to quote, give it all away. And I'm finding now that those same seasoned designers, those same illustrious names are far more willing to pull the curtain back on their businesses and share what's been working and what hasn't. And I can guarantee you, they haven't lost work because of their transparency. And I was speaking with a designer this past week who was really struggling with a couple of things going on. And she said, I just can't believe you're willing to share all of this. And, and the reality is I am willing to share all of my construction knowledge and expertise because it does not harm my business. And you may be thinking, well, how is that possible, Renee? And honestly, that's what the designer asked me. And the reality is, even if a local designer to my hometown listens to every one of my podcasts and joins the course and reads all the online content I've put out in the universe and they apply it to their own jobs, I would never consider them, quote, stealing potential clients from me because the reality is my clients hire me and your clients hire you not only for your skill set but for your style your personality and the values that you bring to a project and those by the way are unique to you so now two designers may run a project the exact same way following the exact same steps and i highly recommend that but they're never going to have the same finesse they're never going to have the same ultimate style they're never going to have the same personality And that's what makes them unique. So don't get me wrong. This took a long time of mindset work to come to the conclusion that if a client doesn't want to hire me and hires another designer in my community, then the job wasn't a good fit for me. Now, it doesn't mean I don't lick my wounds and be sad that I didn't get the project. But ultimately, it's a nanosecond in time until I switch and realize that that job wasn't meant for me. 
And so that is why I am fine being transparent. I am fine with people claiming I'm, quote, giving it all away. Go for it. Use the things that you are learning on this podcast and elevate your own skills on job sites. Because guess what also happens? If you succeed on job sites, if you impress industry partners with your skills, that raises how we are seen by clients and industry partners as professionals in the realm of construction. And we all benefit from that. Doesn't matter if you are in Timbuktu and I'm in Delaware, it resonates within the industry. And I'll be honest, I'd like that to happen. So that is why I really was compelled to share the transparency that I was also reading in this article about what went wrong for these businesses and what they would do differently in the new year so that you can apply these same questions to your own businesses and hopefully set yourself on a stronger path for 2024. So one designer, for instance, admitted that he took on clients despite the red flags that he saw not only in the interviewing process, but after the job began. Now, this designer is very well known in the industry and very seasoned. And so for him to admit that he ignored red flags shows that we are human, that we do ignore things for some other greater good. And he didn't express what that was. Maybe this was a scope of work that he had never had before. Or maybe this was in a part of the country he'd never worked before or a different country. But he then went on to admit that he had to fire these same clients because the red flags he had seen came through and he just couldn't keep the project going. That takes a lot of balls and courage to do. And I really encourage you to do that. If you are in a project that has glaring red flags going, you are better off walking away. And I don't say that lightly because I have absolutely been there on several different occasions. In 30 years, I have fired two clients and it was very painful, even though it was the absolute right thing to do for all of us. It just wasn't a healthy relationship. And for this designer to share that really impressed me because he wants other designers to hear that it's okay to fire a client when the red flags become too many. Another designer shared that they were overwhelmed with work, wanting to do it all. So they took on every project that came their way and that left him burned out with absolutely no time for himself. And so his resolution is to take fewer projects to carve out more personal time. But he also mentioned professional development time, which I thought was really cool because again, I don't know this designer well, but I know he's not new to the industry. So for him to say he still wants that professional development is inspiring and something that I believe every designer should aspire to do year in and year out because there's always something new to learn or there's a skill that should be honed. And this designer was realizing he was hindering his own creative abilities by taking on too much work, leaving him overwhelmed. Another designer was comparing themselves to similar-sized firms, and it left them frustrated and feeling lesser than. I mean, let's raise your hand if you are guilty as charged. I know my hand is raised. We've all done it, and I've spoken about it recently on an earlier episode that the world of social media, it can be 
crushing. And he shared that he stopped looking at other firms. He stopped paying attention to what he was thinking he was seeing and really dug in and is digging in more in 2024 to what his own firm is doing and just clearing out all of the chatter so that he can focus on being the best firm he can be. And that is really sage advice. And mind you, very difficult to do, again, in our socially connected world that we live in. But it is something that should be a goal to even if it's just chip away, maybe you unfollow some designers that really, quite frankly, suck your energy out or make you sad or make you jealous. That's not energy you need in your life. And frankly, it serves no purpose. So maybe that's a goal for you. Go through who you're following and unfollow the ones that really hit your pain points. Another designer said they were having a hard time staying focused because they were taking on projects that just weren't a fit. Again, what an amazing thing to admit out loud, hell, in writing for all designers to see that they were taking on projects that they knew weren't a good fit. And I know I've done that in the past. And while I knew they weren't a good fit, I usually took it for, quote, the income. And guess what happened? The income was never big enough to make that square peg fit into a round hole. And so the designer said for 2024, they're going to work on solely taking projects that truly fit for their firm. Now, I don't mean a financial fit. There's so many different ways of gauging whether a project will be a good fit for you. And I've done episodes on that. And it's about personality of the homeowner. It's about the location. It's about the scope and the scale of the project. It's also about the industry partners you would be paired up with. There's a variety of ways to score a potential project that really should be evaluated by every designer to make sure it works for you. Now, this next one, I fell into the same trap in 2023. She admitted that she had let her client agreement slide and it was no longer up to date. Now, unfortunately, this designer learned the hard way that there were holes in her contract. And fortunately for me, I just realized it was time to dig back into it. So I spent weeks crafting a new contract, having my attorneys look at it back and forth, making sure that my firm was covered as much as it possibly can be. And that's what she did. She dug back in and she rewrote and had her contract reviewed so that as she put it, it's ironclad. Now, what I'm learning from my attorney is nothing is ironclad, but there are much better contracts than others. And so if this is something that's been bothering you or worrying you, now's the time. Find an attorney that you trust, preferably find one that has some experience either in the interior design industry or ideally the construction industry and get a contract up and going that makes you confident that you are covered or you at least have the structure you need to explain your services, how you will bill, when you will bill, what you will do, and most importantly, what you won't do so that you are confident going into those next projects. Another designer admitted that she didn't hire what was really needed. She was hiring a lot of junior designers, but what she found she really needed was to overhaul all of her systems, and she hired a COO, which, by the way, is a chief operating officer. 
And that made all the difference for her. And I can see that being a problem. I myself have fallen into that trap thinking I need one thing, right? Oh, I need to save time. So let me hire a junior designer when really that wasn't the time saver I needed. It was more in my back end. It was more sitting at a desk doing financials and proposals and invoices than it was doing the creative work, which I had more time to do if all of the back-end work was being covered by someone who, frankly, could do it better and faster than me. So should that be a goal for you in 2024? Really sit down. If the beginning of January is quiet, which it notoriously can be as everyone kind of gears back up to working full steam, what would really help you out? And then go find those people. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to find a salaried employee with benefits that comes to your office every day. The world is so open now with virtual assistants, and I frankly have taken full advantage of it. I honestly do not have a single in-person employee. I have all contract workers in the form of virtual assistants, and I couldn't be happier, and my business is humming along. So don't think you have to find that physical person that comes to your office and now you've got to promise them work. Nope. There's so many different ways of achieving the same goal. So frankly, there are no excuses to not find, quote, the perfect one. Another designer admitted to taking a project for income only. Now, we just discussed another designer who said they were taking on projects that weren't good fits, and perhaps she took them on for the income. This designer admits that that was the reason she was taking on projects, because she knew they weren't fitting the goals that she had for the firm, and therefore it brought on a ton of unnecessary stress. So you see, finding the right clients for you is a mindset shift from oh my gosh, someone's calling, they want me to work for them, to, oh my gosh, someone's calling, do I want to work with them? You see, you are in charge of who you get to work with. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just think about that. Just because someone calls and asks you to work for them does not mean you have to say yes. You have to determine by your standards, whatever those may be, that they are a client you want to work with. I tell you, I made that mindset shift, frankly, not long enough ago, but it has completely shifted the quality of clients I work with. And I could not be happier. And I don't believe it's simply because I've done this for a long time. It is truly because I have flipped the switch into, do I want to work with you? I want you to try that out if you haven't. And maybe in the beginning, you don't always listen, but I bet you will sooner than you think because it truly is an empowering moment when you flip that scenario to you being in charge of who you work with and not waiting by the phone, praying for someone to call and ask for help. And lastly, a designer mentioned that they were not standing firm in the role as a designer with their projects. Let me say this as clearly as I can. You have to understand your role in the project. You have to educate your clients and industry partners about your role on your project. And then you need to be prepared to defend that position. That may be once, that may be a dozen times, that may be more. But if you aren't sure about your position on a project, 
no one else will be as well. Let me repeat that. If you aren't sure the role you play on your project, no one else will be either. And there is never a weaker position to be in than no one understanding your role. Now, I'm not saying that to be harsh. I am saying that for you to truly give some thought. What is your role on the project? And by the way, it will vary from project to project. But I am always crystal clear as to what my role is on every project I walk onto. And I am very careful to explain it to anyone I'm working with. I don't just explain it to the GC on the project. I explain it to the GC and their subs. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't host a meeting, sit everyone down and say, well, good morning, gentlemen. Here is my role. That's obviously not going to be a good sales pitch, by the way, but there are ways of explaining your role to everyone on the site, not only through words, but also through actions. Your actions, like the saying goes, will speak louder than words on most occasions. So this designer admitted that they were getting bulldozed as the project was progressing, and I've talked to a lot of designers this past year about them also being bulldozed during projects. And here's what I want to say, and I don't take this lightly, the designers are allowing themselves to be bulldozed. And I know that sounds harsh, and I don't mean it to be harsh. I mean it to be empowering. You can control whether you get bulldozed. And again, it doesn't take a formal meeting of a sit-down and sort of wagging your finger at everyone. It is how you conduct yourself day in and day out. If you are insecure on your role, overwhelmed by your lack of knowledge, or insecure about the direction you want to see the project go in, they will push back. 100%, they will push back on you. But those things you can control by listening to this podcast, by being on my email list, by joining the course, if you need that level of help and support, there are so many resources out there now beyond mine that you can not only know your role, but stand firm in your role throughout the duration of a project with confidence, not cockiness, confidence, and a team member spirit, which will carry you not only through that job, but will propel you onto future jobs, whether that's with the same client, through their referrals, or with the industry partners you're working on with that one project. I have seen it. I have done it both ways, by the way. I have been insecure on projects, and I have gotten bulldozed. And then I learned what I needed to, to be more confident, to stand in my role, and to be a team player, and have never looked back. And that is what I want for everyone listening. And I know if you're listening to this, you're on construction sites or you want to be on construction sites. And while this designer last week said, well, why are more people talking about this, Renee? Honestly, I don't know. I was sure I would be one of throngs talking about construction because I know how many countless designers are taking on construction projects. And it amazes me at how few conversations revolve around construction. So I'm going to keep talking about it because it is important for designers like you to not only succeed 
and make money, by the way, on construction projects, but to help elevate the rest of us on construction projects within our profession. As you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, I believe construction management niche inside our industry is the game changer for the trajectory of the success of our industry. As the decorating side of our industry gets eroded by access, online sites, retail shops, and the like. So I really want to encourage you, jot down some of these questions and answer them for yourself as honestly as you possibly can. And by the way, some of the answers may be positives. No, I didn't take on a single client that wasn't a good fit. Bravo, and you go, right? Do that again next year. There's your goal. Stay the course. But I think some of these will give you pause. And my hope with today's episode is it gives you the confidence that there are designers, very successful, well-known seasoned designers, opening up, being transparent and honest about the mistakes they have made in 2023 and how they will focus on making fewer, not none, but fewer mistakes in 2024. So as always, if this episode leaves you with more questions and answers, please feel free to reach out to me, whether that's a direct email to renee at deviniedesign.com, or you can DM me in social media. I am happy to talk about any of this so that you feel confident on your path for 2024. I thank you so much for your time today. I hope you are having a wonderful holiday season, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening, and I hope you heard something that you can apply to a project today. If you're ready to increase your construction projects in your business, check out the details on my signature course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. It's a six-part digital course that will save you a three-year learning curve, get you profitable, bring in an income and lifestyle that makes sense for you by learning the top strategies, what works and what doesn't building your confidence so you're no longer paddling to stay afloat or worse, learning how to manage construction on a client's project. Through the course, I'm handing over 30 years of top strategies and advice. Head to my website, devinyedesign.com for more details on the Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management and become educated and empowered for your next construction project.